This is Eitan Weinstein. And I'm Naor Menninger. And you're listening to Two Nice Jewish Boys. This podcast is made in collaboration with Arutz Sheva, IsraelNationalNews.com. Also in collaboration with Australian Jewish News. Check them out at ajn.timesofisrael.com. If you'd like to support the podcast, visit 2njb.com slash donate. What do you have in your fridge right now? Some eggs, a head of wilted lettuce, maybe a loaf of bread. How do you decide when it's time to move on? When your food is overdue and destined to be thrown out and replaced by fresh, shiny, new food. According to some estimates, about 30 to 40% of all food in the United States is being wasted, thrown to the garbage because it wasn't eaten in time. Sometimes we even throw good food away, food that's still completely edible. And it makes you think, what if we're smart what if we were smarter about how we treat our old perhaps less enticing, but still very much nutritious food. Shai Rilov, Rilov, real love, real love. There you go. <laughs> okay, Shai Rilov is a social entrepreneur from Haifa. He came up with an ingenious idea. Take the food that people don't want, make delicious dishes out of it, and serve it to those who can't afford to buy it in restaurants. That's how Robin Food came to be. Robin Food a restaurant that Shai opened in Haifa's historic food market, Talpiot. Shai joins us today to talk about Robin Food and his ne- next exciting venture. Thank you so much for joining us. Okay, so you know there's some spoilers ahead. Yeah. Yes, Glad yes. to be here, guys. Glad to be here. So so before we started, I asked you because I wanted some context, and then I stopped you from answering because I didn't want to not be surprised. Yeah, um, and I just stopped myself. I'm also correcting you in the yeah. middle of your sentence as well. <laughs> it's tricky because we are in a niche that's kind of is where worlds collide. Okay. Uh, people are th- used to think of food waste. They're used to thinking of uh, something specific. They're used to thinking of food rescue. They're used to thinking of something specific. What we're trying to do is engage the general public in the story of food waste. Obviously, it's relevant to us all. We've all experienced it somehow, whether it be in our homes, in our jobs, in our schools, in our work in our army um, and we've probably at some point said isn't that a shame that all this perfectly good food is wasted or wasn't used in time as you said uh, and like you said the statistics are astounding in Israel alone about 20 billion shekels worth of food is wasted each year which is about five thousand five uh, billion dollars yeah. in this tiny tiny country just to give you a sense of scale uh, about 30 to 40 percent of it is also at the consumer level and obviously there's the whole food chain to talk about. Mm-hmm. And there's many ways to approach this topic. And since it's something that's relevant for everyone and all around the world and every step of the chain, many, many organizations and enterprises and events uh, have come about. As far as we see it in Robin Food, this change has to start by engaging people. And that's where our mission lies. There's many ways to engage people, but we try to open a door into people's hearts in the fastest way we know how to, which is through their bellies. Uh, I'm guessing you uh, emphasize in some way. So, so how exactly, what is Robin Food? food? How exactly does it, does it uh, manifest itself? So we started in 2015 uh, with two main principles that we were inspired by a project with also a nice uh, pun in it 
from the UK called The Real Junk Food Project, which was started by a chef uh, named Adam Smith, not the economist. <laughs> and he was sick of seeing food waste in his life and his career and decided to do something about it. So he opened up the first uh, restaurant in his hometown of Leeds, uh, where there's two main principles driving it. First is food rescue, rescuing fruits and vegetables or other products that would otherwise go to waste from farms, markets, shops, things that for aesthetic reasons, logistical reasons, or surplus would otherwise go to waste. And we say, isn't that a shame we can give these uh, foods the respect they deserve and to turn them into something awesome? Kind of like a reality show, you have different ingredients every time. And together with volunteers, you create an ever-changing menu, you know, a blackboard. And anyone can come to eat, to experience, to enjoy, not only to say how tasty, how delicious, how awesome, but also how the heck was all this going to go to waste? That's the point where you can snap something in their minds, perhaps, through, mm -hmm. through a positive experience rather than, you know, um, saying no, 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 or, you know, protesting. You're saying, come and enjoy, and from there, we can talk about a problem. And the second principle is, mm -hmm. after you eat and enjoy an experience, no matter who you are, you pay as you feel. Mm -hmm. You decide the value that you received and how delicious the food was and how much you value the experience and how much you want to support the project so it doesn't only survive, but it can thrive and grow and change the world. And uh, you put your money where your mouth is and your values, and you can even pay with your time and skills. So even if you don't have a single shekel or pound or dollar, you still have a way to contribute and a value and a community to be a part of as well. First of all, it's amazing. Um, but what is the legal status? I know this is... We are an NGO. So you are an NGO. Okay, I'm so there's no, there's no necessarily like profitable business model here. It's people well, who are paying or are donating to a cause. Even of. an NGO needs to have a model where it can only survive but grow and thrive. Mm -hmm. And definitely there are a lot of expenses associated with this, obviously. And uh, we wanted to see if such a thing would be relevant in Israel. It was started to spread around the UK and around Europe and even around the world. And we noticed how in Israel there's enormous food waste phenomenon. We are leaders in that field, as we like to be leaders in many fields. And so we wanted to see if people give a crap. Mm -hmm. And in um, July 2015, five years ago this month, we had an event in a little falafel stand in Masada Street in Haifa. The hipster street. Mm -hmm. Very much. Haifa. Yeah, it's the Florentine of Haifa. Puzzle? Uh, Puzzle is there, that's right. That's not the falafel spot? No, no, that no. was across the street. It does, the falafel place doesn't exist anymore. Ah. And basically, uh, together with the chef and volunteers, with whatever we could rescue, fruits and vegetables, we t made a delicious buffet, and we invited people to come to eat, to enjoy. The event was called Robin Food. It was a brilliant name by the daughter of the chef, Geffen. And we told people about the phenomenon of food waste, and we told them, uh, about how there's many ways to approach it, but we want to engage the general public. You know, in Israel, there's a strong restaurant culture as well. It's become more and more relevant, more of a uh, hedonistic kind of thing, uh, worshiping chefs and all that kind of thing. It's kind of relatively new in our history of what mm -hmm. being a chef even means or what culinary culture is. And so we wanted to approach the people in a way that's relevant to what they're trying to do and having fun anyway. So we told them about the food waste phenomenon, about our dream to one day open up a place to show this concept every day uh, with food rescue and pay as you feel, to engage different communities and reach uh, people in the fastest way we know how. And it and was people, your idea. Uh, we, I was inspired by uh, the project in the UK and many other projects around uh, the world. And I also went to visit them uh, right after we did that first event. I said, this is something that we can really make happen. Went on a nice uh, 
very uh, using what we have kind of uh, road trip. Do you come from the world of food or? I am not a foodie, not even close. Okay. I am more of a sustainability kind of person, seeing that we have a socioeconomic system that is literally not sustainable in a sense that we are going to hit a brick wall if we uh, have a system that is based on uh, infinite growth and a finite system uh, based on uh, uh, money being dead and all kinds of things that we can talk about another time. But um, there's many ways we can change that. And we obviously need deep systemic change as well. But how do we, while we're still living in this flawed uh, system, find a, a way to bridge that gap and to get people to see how things could be different while kind of leveraging the flaws in our current system or the waste in this sense. Obviously, it's not only food. You know, in the U.S., I think there's more uh, empty houses than homeless people. There is obviously the amount of empty seats in transportation that you could talk about. All these under the umbrella of using what we have and showing people that using what we have in general can be not only not a sacrifice, but if you do it wisely and correctly and creatively and with a high standard, it could be an upgrade. So I don't know if this is like a Jewish mother thing, but I know that it's my Jewish mother <laughs> thing where my mom's always the most proud, the proudest when she scraps together like leftovers in the fridge and she makes, you know, meatballs and an old salad into like a cake. And you're like, what is this? And she's like, it's delicious. Try yeah. Right. So she like she she pulls together all this stuff. I mean, it actually turns out delicious and it's not really that. To. And it she has makes to because she listens, so you got to yeah, say it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she actually makes these. these she's always the most proud when she makes uh, stuff from leftovers. Using she that manages. creativity, exactly. That challenge. Yeah. Innovation. So I think there's there's something beautiful about that. But I wonder what like I've sort of reached a point where I come to terms with my waste, right? Like when I, I do, you know. I, initially, I was grown up in this environment. I was raised in this environment where I throw, where anything you throw away, it's like it's sinful, right? Baltashchit. Mm -hmm. It's also a Jewish value. Correct. But eventually, I felt like I can't feel bad every time I throw away food. You like, become I'm, desensitized. Yeah. So I, I'm either desensitized or you do it consciously and you say, okay, there's natural waste. So what my question to you is, you you mentioned, for example, five billion dollars a year in Israel, right? Mm -hmm. goes to waste if you do the math i mean quick math that's like 500 dollars per person per year now the that's a lot of money household if you include the uh indirect cost of it it's about six thousand shekels a, uh, a year yeah even more actually so uh, i mean i don't know i don't know exactly where it is but it's around a couple thousand shekels a year maybe more maybe ten thousand shekels a year maybe it's a thousand shekels a month per person and so i guess you we want to reduce that but the question is is it really viable to imagine a world in which we don't waste anything no i don't think uh, we're aiming towards that there will always be a place for surplus in the world and it, it's uh, definitely especially in times of uh, instability as we are in right now having surplus is something that's useful but there's a certain buffer that you want to have and there's a point where it's just over the top and that's yeah. where we are right now yeah. especially considering not only the economic cost but the social and environmental cost just so you guys understand if food waste the global phenomenon was a country the whole global phenomenon it would be the third largest carbon emitter on the planet after the u.s and china food waste so how, if we want to how so how so uh on both ends of the food chain there'd be the arable land, the water, the fertilizer, the energy, the transportation, the refrigeration, the preparation, the serving, the love, 
all those resources that went into it end up being for nothing. The amount of land, for example, that is used to grow food that is not used is about the size of Mexico or Kazakhstan. Okay? It's enormous. Uh, also, on the other end of the spectrum, uh, if you have, at the end of the day, you're talking about a physical product, organic waste, which most of the time is not composted or something close to what's going on in nature. And what do you have in landfill is that terrible smell that you know. But it's not just a smell. And it's not just taking up tons and tons of landfill area, but it produces a lot of methane, mm -hmm. which is a much more potent greenhouse gas than CO2. We're used to talking about CO2 or using that as some kind of equivalent. But on the short term scale in the 20 years ish, it's about 60 to 80 times more potent than CO2. What as produces a greenhouse the gas. methane? The anaerobic digestion caused by uh, basically putting food in landfill rather than having a, an aerobic. Yeah, basically. I mean, what happens in nature or in a compost bin, which is kind of an accelerated process, is something called aerobic digestion. It's where you have a certain uh, balance of carbon and nitrogen, but you also have wet and dry. It's not too wet and not too dry, and there's enough air to flow through it, which is why it's aerobic. Aerobic bacteria consume it. And anaerobic bacteria is the terrible smell we know and the methane emissions. Hmm. Uh, maybe you guys have heard of biogas and all that. It actually leverages the anaerobic process to hmm. make gas. Methane. But most of that is going up to our atmosphere and becoming a very serious problem. Mm -hmm. so, so, okay, so you guys have this initiative where you you collect this, uh, what would otherwise be wasted food, make these amazing meals, and y your goal is to, one, make use of, not, meaning not have this food go to waste, but mostly, if I'm understanding right, primarily... To change people's perspective. Correct. We, I mean, we are the tip of the tip of the iceberg in terms of the food waste with what we rescue. And we're aware of that. Uh, our point is to demonstrate what could be and how uh, such amazing and nutritious and delicious food gets wasted. Whether it be from farmers that we're in touch with, whether it's the wholesale market, which I can show you pictures and you won't believe your eyes what happens there uh, daily. Whether it be uh, local shops and all kinds of other uh, organizations that we've collaborated with. Um basically serving this to a very, very varied community of people. We have at the restaurant that we had in the last two years, uh, you know, a lawyer, a student, and a homeless guy all sitting in the same restaurant, treated as equals. And anyone could uh, decide what the value that they received is and what the value that they can or want to give back is. And that way we also had obviously a very diverse group of volunteers, whether it be high schoolers or even younger sometimes. You won't believe the amazing kids who get on board and, you know, on the other end, um, pensioners, uh, students and everyone in between. Wait, and also, how did you, be, how did you go from this event? Oh, yeah, to <laughs> what a jump in the timeline. Yeah. You're right. You're right. So this event triggered the, uh, hard work that was to become the Robin food organization where, um, we basically turn these events into something bigger and bigger with hundreds of people coming eventually from all over the country with more um, features like a give-take market of clothes and books. I don't know if there's a better term in English, maybe a swap shop. Obviously, you know, books and clothes, there's tons of those. You could probably stop creating clothes for the next maybe 10 years and not only be okay, but also save a lot of terrible human and environmental impacts of it. Uh, but yeah, again, again, through something fun and, you know, a party. It's all supposed to be a party of celebrating what we already have. Uh, we also had like cooking contests and lecturers and bands coming to play. 
So basically these really small festivals basically that kept on growing. And we opened up an NGO so that we could have uh, f something to facilitate our vision based on these same principles. Lots of bureaucracy and... Uh... Yeah, yeah. Thank, uh, thank the universe that we had uh, help from people of professionals of all kind and a lot of um, backup, including the Haifa Boston connection where we participated in a social enterprise accelerator. Shout out to Haifa Boston, still helping us out to this day. Um, and we learned how to... Uh, you know, identify the problems and create a plan through that. And uh, not only did we do these events and these uh, celebrations, but people started to ask us to provide our services, basically. Uh, something educational and experiential, which is what we're all about, whether it be in the form of lectures, workshops, catering. Uh, we did even a wedding last year, uh, cooking contests, giving people themselves the Robin Food Challenge, you know? Imagine this is what you got. Uh, this is the time you have. These are the people you got split into groups. Let's see you make the most delicious, amazing, beautiful dish you can. Everybody gets to work and it's a real fun process. At the end, you uh, present what you got. Uh, judges, uh, we laugh, we cry. Eyal Shani is there. It's like, <clears throat> amazing. He hasn't come yet, but we're working on that. Eyal <laughs> okay. Shani, if you're listening, come on up and uh, taste our tomatoes. Uh, <laughs> I'm a fan of tomatoes, by the way. Okay. Big fan. Almost as big of a fan as Eyal Shani. And uh, so, so, yeah, this is a way to everybody kind of, a, if you're talking about the Alshani, a master chef, but, uh, you know, a dumpster chef, if you will. <laughs> you can make, uh, uh, we have food puns, food waste puns in English and Hebrew, you won't believe. I know them in other languages as well. Every food waste enterprise in the world almost is like a pun. It's great. To no end. To no end. For example, in Rotterdam, they have a soup company using ugly veg, and it's called Kromkommer. Cumcumber is cucumber and crumb is crooked. So cumcumber. Mm. And we are Robin food, which works a, better with an Israeli there, accent, you have to admit. There, yeah. yeah. There was a restaurant in Atlanta. Uh, I went to high school in Atlanta and there was a restaurant called Let Us Surprise You. <laughs> and I was like, you guys, that was just like one pun too many. <laughs> like you should have let it, left it at like Let Us Surprise You. Yeah. Or Let Us Turn Up the Beat. You know, have a party. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Very good. It's endless. It's endless. Veggie puns are our thing for sure. So when did you actually open the restaurant? So in January 2018, we uh, opened the door to a place that was until then an old butcher shop in Shuk Talpiot, in Talpiot Market in Haifa. A place that was, you know, uh, run down for the past few decades, but was slowly having a bit of a renaissance. And we, uh, this place was uh, bought by a real estate uh, company who also wants to kind of increase the uh, activity in the area and make something good happen while they work on getting a permit to destroy the place, basically. Uh, and so this window of opportunity was uh, present so that we could get comfortable uh, uh, parameters to work with and look at this butcher shop the same way that we look at any box of vegetables that we receive. This is what we got. Let's use what we have and make it into something that reflects our values. So together with the volunteers, uh, including carpenters and welders and interior designers and electricians, and together with uh, rescued materials and things that we found and things that were donated to us and things that were already there also, uh, we turned this place into something uh, quite amazing. And um, also did a crowdfunding campaign on uh, Head Start, the Israeli crowdfunding campaign, the main one. Uh, and that was crazy. Doing both of these things at the same time was... Whew, Absolutely insane. Um, and so, yes. So you guys had the, the, the actual restaurant is in uh, the Talpiot market? 
Not yes. anymore. Not anymore. That's right. This is a, a live update. Uh, but let's get to that part later so okay. we can get what was happening there for the last yeah. two years. Okay, so tell us about it. So, um, also, if you can tell about some dishes, for example, or some, like sure, an example sure. of a day, what did you get and what did you make out of it? Sure. So, uh, so just to get to the point where we started serving dishes, we had this crowdfunding campaign and people took part and we had a hilarious video, which you can still check out and I can send it to you all. Um, in May 2018, we reached 110% of our goal. We uh, had the place ready enough to do something with, with whatever we had, you know including donations of, you know, concrete, whatever. But still trying to be a little minimalist because, you know, this place is not forever. Uh, with a big party, including guest chefs and guest volunteers and Channel 2 News, which is a huge item on us, we opened up with a big party telling people, here we are. It took us almost three years. We did the impossible. Come and eat. And uh, in those three years... We served, yeah, a lot of different dishes. We even had a WhatsApp group where people could see the picture of the menu every day uh, where our chef Kobe basically, uh, you know, was in a reality show every day and say he had a lot of zucchinis that we got that were oversized from some farm and some tomatoes from the wholesale market. We would do uh, zucchini Provence, which was like a slow-cooked uh, French-style uh, full-of-herbs type dish. Uh, many, of, many of the things were stews. I'd say uh, about... 60, 70, 80% of the dishes were of the stew variety, but from all over the world. You could have like one Indian dish and one French dish and one like Turkish dish and one Egyptian dish. It was uh, quite varied. And we'd have some those guests, cooks and chefs coming in and going crazy, making patties and whatever. All kinds of crazy stuff. Even desserts uh, once in a while. We rescued uh, last year many gallons of uh, vegetable cream, like for making whipped cream out of. So it was very sweet. And so we made a kind of semifredo ice cream from it with all kinds of different flavors. We had a, a girl who was like a chef from Guatemala come in and she would just get to help us out making this uh, semifredo forever, which is great because it's frozen and it can last a really long time. Uh, Did you actually yes. ever use like expired products? There were some... Because in Tiger King, remember the scene where he makes a, a huge meal out of expired oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> someone told me about that when i told them about robin food that, that was what snapped into their mind but i uh have a confession i never saw tiger king okay it's like a hole in my that's worse than serving expired food i know right immoral <laughs> totally uh but yeah i don't know i'll have to watch and then see what i really think about it anyway um well so did you so fruits and vegetables as a general uh rule of thumb are not the same in their regulation or in their dating as many other products. They are not a sensitive product such as animal products. And the restaurant was serving vegan. So that changes everything in that sense. Um, you can look at a tomato or a pepper or an eggplant and know the state of it as long as it's being kept at the right temperature and being taken good care of. You're not in a problem on that sense. Um, there was like a dry good here and there that we could have gotten and used uh, when it was close to the date or maybe on the date. Or maybe a little few days after. But we're talking about, you know, again, either dry products or something that can last perhaps the uh, zombie apocalypse even. Mm -hmm. uh, ramen. We had tons of ramen that we didn't serve at the restaurant, but we gave to volunteers to take home and to their families and friends and whoever they could. That was a nice little e extra thing. You know, something that we cannot serve, volunteers can enjoy. 
It's an amazing, I think, Western phenomenon that like expiration dates, they think magically mark the exact moment exactly. at which the product just dissolves. In your into... 21st century psychological paranoia, yeah. it gets your orange juice gets to midnight of yeah. the date and suddenly it's a biological weapon or something. <laughs> yeah, you can't. My, the truth is my wife, she's not even American, but she also has this like... Oh, in Israel, we're definitely syndrome. Americanized in yeah. that way. The definitely. syndrome. And I'm like, it's a day after. Just open the sour cream, smell it if it's bad, exactly. and then just eat it. What did we used to do before we had dates on products? Yeah. We would use our senses, right? We would look, we would smell, and people even go, taste. paid with their lives. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you're talking about paid with uh, their toilets, <laughs> <laughs> maybe. I have to, I have to like uh, credit my mom for that because she also, she just had no god when it came to like expiration dates. Yeah. She was like, it's oh, two weeks, it's fine. My my <laughs> mom is the same, and I became the opposite. Yeah, yeah, maybe because, because of that. Yeah, because of that. To, to rebellious correct for it to correct for it yeah, 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 yeah i think there's a kind of a cycle that we go through each generation kind of gives a, a counterbalance to the other yeah to the mm -hmm. other generation and that's kind of where we're at right now because a few generations ago we were in a very different space here in israel and maybe around the world this whole uh you know 21st century food security abundance you open the tap and you have water all these kinds of things are relatively new in our history but we came yeah. accustomed to them real fast Mm -hmm. uh, and this is why our mentality of abundance uh, changes the way that we approach uh, materials and resources in general, but food is, is one of them. And definitely when times of crisis strike, we realize the precious nature of them much more. Yeah. Speaking of, what happened? So, uh, the restaurant. So, uh, the place is going to receive a permit to be destroyed and rebuilt quite soon in the coming months. And Corona struck, so we were not able to uh, serve in any case. So we uh, leveraged this uh, uh, time to pack the place up and prepare for the next stage of Robin Food, using the lessons that we've learned, using the amazing audience that has taken part and uh, uh, followed us. We also, you know, we've been around the whole country giving these uh, lectures and uh, cooking contests and we're still doing some of that i mean i'm still lecturing whoever is interested call me up uh, and even a salad contest we can still do even with the restaurant apparatus and now we are working on something that started already before this whole thing happened uh together with the technion the technical university of haifa and the social Acceler uh, social uh hamama is incubator that yeah. they have uh, connecting different faculties with social projects. So with the Faculty of Computer Sciences, they approached us and said, hey, what would you dream of doing with us? And I told them right off the bat, a food sharing app. Because mm. this, uh, we've actually basically had a proof of concept of this going for the last five years, ever since the beginning of the project. Our third co-founder, Noah, uh, opened up Facebook groups, the most simple kind of thing you can do, right? Uh, called food sharing name of place, Haifa, Jerusalem, Tel Aviv. People could, you know, they bought too much, cooked too much. Uh, we're going on a diet, going abroad, moving house. Uh, they had a party and had things left over. They um, were, you know, didn't want the food, whatever. Mm -hmm. Their lemons on their tree all ripened at once. There's no shortage of reasons why you would have something that you would rather uh, give away than use. And these groups really thrive? They they succeeded? They're, they're very, they're like not a highly, you know, propagated group. They just kind of live on their own. But some of them do well even better than others. But the 
uh, proof of concept is there that people can say, hey, I have this extra cake or uh, I have this uh, syrup that I don't like or, you know, all kinds of different things there. Uh, and people pick it up. Like you see, an hour later, somebody picked it up. It's incredible. And wow. these are just because the amount of people exposed is somewhat minimal. Uh, it could have been much, leveraged much better, especially if you have a uh, specifically oriented technology. Mm -hmm. And there are proof of concepts around the world as well of food sharing type apps, but none that have really uh, made it big in Israel and used a leverage of the community already interested in this, which is really where the secret is. So, so let's talk. I want to go back for a sec to the sure. drama of you the the being um, destroyed and rebuilt. So, you you guys are renting this this uh, place space right. in Tel Piot. Yes. Ah, I see. So basically, now there's been a permit, and you guys are being evicted. It, no, no, no. It's not at that stage yet. Okay. The corona. We know that it's coming in the next months. Okay. And so the corona made it uh, kind of prolonged it. Postponed it, other way around. It accelerated our our uh, leaving. So ah, wouldn't, okay. Wouldn't I see. Why would we want to wait and be caught with our pants down and wait months I while see. losing a lot of money? Nothing. And you know, yeah. we, we are hanging, uh, you know, by a string always. Anyway. So you guys left the place. That's right. That's right. And now exist in the cloud. Exactly. We are using now this uh, thought that everybody is kind of going through, reassessing what they're doing, and you know, perhaps doing it on a more cloud-based level what if you're saying that wall takeaways again Walt deliveries takeaways oh vault uh yeah those deliveries and takeaways kind of things could be an extra kind of plug-in into this app kind of thing for example mm -hmm. let's say i would want people to you know get to know their neighbors in their neighborhood in that way you know approaching knocking on their door or having someone you know it's a great way to connect community i mean do you know the people who live in your building here no unfortunately uh, for me Fortunately, uh, yeah. No, I'm kidding. I mean, yeah, I meant, I meant fortunately as well. So I just realized. Yeah, <laughs> I'll tell you. No, what, I for, unfortunately, if you connect unfortunately, the right, I do know them. <laughs> There's you know the I'm classic not. asking the neighbor for a cup of sugar kind of thing. Yeah, but in, in but perhaps in, maybe better not to be sugar, the, but yeah. maybe a few tomatoes or whatever. Imagine if you had that kind of uh, way to connect with your neighbors uh, and perhaps even support them in that way if they're elderly or, you know, fine, get to know each other in a way that's constructive and positive. I feel it's like in, kind of in modern day effect. cities though, that's like many people are, are put off by like getting to know their neighbors. I think know? this is a good way to have a practical reason to do that perhaps rather than, you know, just generally gener trying to create community. It's a pragmatic, again, that kind of door to open, which mm -hmm. can, uh, find a way to perhaps increase community you I mean, think i think people are yeah we're in our own bubbles uh digitally and so we're communicating with people around the world and people around the world are going to hear this podcast but then again the actual physical resources that we can share amongst us uh, maybe are right above or below us in our building mm -hmm. and these people who may be different than us in their worldviews in their stories in their age in their ethnicity there's a lot perhaps that we can learn from them and through the act of food sharing which is kind of like the oldest kind of thing in the humanity uh textbook is something to connect people in ways i mean that's what robin food is about anyway food is the door to open connection and through an experience a shared experience of eating and enjoying together or in this case sharing food we can uh, open avenues that weren't there before. You should open a dating section inside the app. Well, it kind of and is a Tinder for food already. I'll maybe. download it. <laughs> Sorry? Maybe it kind of already is a Tinder for food, yeah. so to speak. Uh, so they're actually, the Technion team, before they finished, they started to uh, 
check out the opportunity to do a kind of community meals function where you can kind of, hey, I'm missing this thing and I want to make that uh, lasagna and I'm missing uh, pasta sheets, whatever it's called. Uh, maybe that could be kind of a way to get a little more romantic and uh, what's cooking, good looking kind of thing. Yeah, uh, you should make the icon an eggplant and a peach. Took me a second. Took me a second. It would get downloaded a lot more. There's also it's like, like the splash icon where you could like yeah, yeah, exactly. run them under the tap to clean them before you cook them. That's <laughs> yeah, what it means, of course, right? That's, of course. that's what I assumed at least. Yes, yes. Can you give like some practical tips yes. to the average I definitely Joe? can. And one thing I've actually been thinking of to add as another kind of service is to actually be able to either virtually or physically come to people's homes, open up their fridge, their pantry, their freezer. I mean, maybe I could start by asking you guys. Do you know what's going on in your fridge right now? You yes, started with this yes, question. Yeah. Yes? Okay. Do you know what's going yeah, yeah. on in your pantry? Uh, like if I was to go and take a look. Yeah, roughly. But like, I mean, it's a mess. There's stuff there that like has yeah. been there for a while. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean about right. it's not wasted because the, the maggots eat it. So. <laughs> so, yeah. So this is the circle of, of life. life exactly. Yes. <laughs> How about your freezer? Uh... I'll know 60% to 70% of what's in there. The freezer is a funny thing because, I mean, I guess you guys can look at it that way. It can be a great tool to prevent food waste, right? Uh -huh. I mean, you have a soft peach, you can cut it up, put it there, and then it'll be a smoothie a month later if you want. Uh -huh. But at the same time, who the hell knows what's going on there, right? It could be a slow graveyard for your food. Yeah. So, uh, so maybe we'll be doing some kind of intervention fridge uh, uh, kind of learning how to prevent food waste in the home kind of thing maybe through zoom or maybe in person we'll see how things progress on the global health you know, aspect uh like Ethan's wife will thank you yeah image uh, uh what's it called analysis yeah analysis technology is getting pretty good you guys mm -hmm. should maybe look into like an app where you can take a picture of your mm -hmm. fridge one of our volunteers is foods. looking at that like oh, machine really? learning for uh, image processing of, of foods basically wow. it could be relevant for the app even in the way it already is where people can put up a picture of three peaches and it could say hey three peaches and you don't even have to put that in make yeah. it a little bit lazier exactly. we're all about the lazy consumer yeah, yeah we don't want to type so as speaking of lazy consumer what can we do as consumers to prevent our food waste? Well, the first step, obviously, that we're trying to address in Robin Food is to be aware. Realize mm -hmm. that food waste is such a huge issue. And that even if you're looking at it in the most uh, you know, selfish of ways, it's a freaking waste of money. And you work hard for that money. And food is a precious resource that you can enjoy rather than waste. So let's go through like the timeline of what you do. Uh, before we even talk about like going shopping, uh, we talked about knowing what's going on and what we have. Oftentimes, we can prevent perhaps an entire uh, trip to the supermarket using those things that maybe, you know, there's a pepper in the fridge behind the carton of milk that if we don't use today in our stir fry, maybe too late for it. Or in the pantry, there's that thing that we uh, bought for some recipe and now we have no clue what to do with it. And maybe we can do some Googling and figure out something amazing. Or in the freezer, who the hell knows what's going on in there? I think that's one of the big things is like I I often go to the supermarket and buy according to what I want to eat as opposed to like prepare according to what I have. Right. Imagine if you bring a few friends over and and, and you have a night, some you do some Googling, you do some creative stuff and you do a kind of a master chef kind of evening. You end up eating a lot of delicious food, learning perhaps some new uh, culinary uh 
techniques or probably or not dishes. so delicious in the beginning yeah you can work your way up there <laughs> probably but, but i swear like search engines are these days you can literally just type in ingredients and get tons of great ideas great ideas and so perhaps you could skip a whole trip to the supermarket and get a fun dumpster to chef night out of it mm -hmm. um and save a lot of money let's say you did all that and you still are going shopping what's the first thing you can do before you even enter the supermarket you guys got any make a list there you go man it's the easiest technology of them all right i do it all the time because i'm a responsible grown-up person <laughs> what a responsible Eight consumer wow yes don't Only don't lists. don't list shamey <laughs> <laughs> often when I, when i ask this question to people they also talk about not going shopping on an empty stomach yeah which is a classic yeah. um but yeah let's let's also wear a mask supermarket uh, these days, it's a usual, use, useful thing, but perhaps as in a way I'm thinking that could be relevant always. Okay, here's the question. What is the goal of the supermarket at the end of the day? To make money. There you go. Sell product to, to make money. And they have decades of experience of making yes. that happen. They don't really care what you do with the food after you take it out of the checkout. Uh, they, they have they a special algorithm to... that makes sure that no matter what are the two things you're looking for, they'll always be the most apart from each other. <laughs> the, the essentials will be at the back. You'll have to pass through the whole supermarket. Definitely. Yeah. The way things are placed, the colors, the the uh, the smells even. It's all very, uh, very specifically designed to increase our consumption uh, and perhaps manipulate us emotionally, psychologically. Uh, you know, since the age of Freud, we've learned how to take our flaws as uh, screwed up monkeys, half-baked humans, and turn that into something profitable. Uh, maybe you've heard of Edward Bernays, who really was Freud's nephew, and really turned that into the modern um, advertising industry, basically. And the, the supermarkets have become great at it. You'll have the colorful cornflakes on the low enough shelf so the kid can see it and nag their mom. You'll have those one plus one deals in the checkout counter where you say, I'm not a sucker or a file in Hebrew, and you decide to take those. And perhaps what the supermarket is doing is that stage is taking their waste and moving it on to you perhaps you'll be the waster in the end and you'll be the file and basically um doing a, making a list is one of the easiest things we can do to remember what our intentions are no matter what the uh you know other manipulations happen to be um but should i take the, the one plus one deal or because i try not to take it you definitely shouldn't if it's something that you weren't intending or if you don't know that you use up a, a I large amount one of it anyway. of that thing. So you one probably shouldn't. If and you're I paying the up... same amount and you're paying for, the, at the end of the state, first of all, storage space. Let's say your fridge is not an infinite space. Uh, two, you're going to have to uh, rush to perhaps use it faster than you were intending to, which is okay if you're planning a dumpster chef kind of night. Uh, and, and three, it's just another mental uh, thing to deal with. And... You know, at the end of the day, uh, food waste is not just at the household level. It's not just, you know, the waste of purchasing money. But at the end of the day, more trips to the to take your trash out, worse smell. And that actually has a monetary value to it as well in terms of the what you pay in uh, municipal taxes even. And so even on that level, we have an incentive to prevent food waste at that local level. So uh, the one plus one deal, use your head before you uh, decide to buy. Um, and definitely if it's not on the list, and you should think twice. Um, also, if we're talking about going to the supermarket, higher frequencies uh, reduce the amount of food waste usually because it means you're buying for a shorter amount of time and you know what you, you have a better way to predict the short term rather than the long term. Um, but these yes. all sound like 
they're increasing cost, right? Because, I mean, don't take the one plus one or go to the supermarket What's the cost of one often. rather than a one plus one? What's the cost difference? That you're getting two for less, right? The average price of each one. So if it's if like... If you're going to waste it, a, then it's the same. Yeah, of course. But if it's a non-perishable, right? Then like maybe you sure. save... Sometimes it could be worth it. Or if you go often to the supermarket, it means like, for example, like I, I go often mm-hmm. because I'm I'm too like... To the pricey dis- one. I'm too disorganized to like sit right now in front of the computer and prepare a list that I'm going to get in two or three days, right? So I need stuff now. I go to the supermarket, I get it. Mm -hmm. And then inevitably I go to the supermarket downstairs around the corner and it's really expensive. Mm -hmm. So maybe, I mean, is there like an in-between? Yeah. For example, uh, online shopping can help with that. And that could be a preventative measure, especially if you really are kind of understanding what you want which is something that people have also pointed out to me. I had never done online shopping myself. I don't really sh- go shopping for food. I don't know if you yeah. would have guessed that, but I, I don't, I mean, I'm rather <laughs> the front end of the supermarket. You collect it? Yeah, yeah. I don't really. Uh, even today? Even today, yeah. It's just, you know. I'm, How? So you, what do you mean? You, you so don't we buy have, for example, go through the trash of No, we're, we're talking about, for example, something that we've partnered with uh, in a very Israeli type of fashion is the wholesale market of Haifa. It's like the market of the markets, you know, selling to restaurants, to uh, veggie shops, to- Where is everything. it in Haifa? It's downtown near the flea market. People don't usually go there because again, it's not for consumers and it's open all night. It closes early in the morning. Mm-hmm. We go there uh, and they collect directly from the stall owners or for things that they've already put aside. And it could be sometimes mountains of vegetables. You never know what you're gonna get. I got kiwis last week, it was insane. Um, but you go as a consumer? No, I, I go as Robin Food and we still uh, distribute it where we can these days, uh, but also <laughs> get a little bit to feed ourselves as well. Uh, okay. Because it's just an endless amount that yeah, yeah. we can't, even during the restaurant phase and even with doing catering for hundreds of people sometimes, you're still not being able to uh, use and make the most of all of this food. That's how insane the scale of this phenomenon is. If you try to imagine it as an actual mountain, it's just unbelievable. And so back to basically the idea of being a consumer, most of these things are not necessarily, uh, if you're talking about the shopping frequency, it depends on where you're shopping, first of all. But especially if you end up using more of what you buy, then you're definitely saving a lot if you, rather than wasting hundreds of shekels a month or thousands a year right? Mm-hmm. It definitely cancels each other out and it's perhaps even more enjoyable. Um, let's say you've made it back home with your food from the supermarket or whatever. Then you have the fridge. The fridge is not one box that's everything in the same place. You have places with different humidity and temperature, places that are more visible, more accessible. Uh, and so if you want to really put stuff in there, well, you got to know your fridge. Uh, and you have a manual that usually comes with your fridge. You can check that out, but also there's just general guidelines. For example, people put milk in their door, in the fridge door, unadvisable to do so because that's where the temperature fluctuates the most. Makes sense, right? You open it, you close it. Uh, better not to have it there. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, well, just one example. That explains a lot. <laughs> um, the fruits and veggies. You Eitan have, thought have he's Ill- he has problems with milk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it no. was the, the ghost of your milk. Yeah. Um, it's just the door. Yeah, it's a sense. Or you, know, you can use plant-based. I'm not lactose along. intolerant. I'm just door intolerant. 
could also use plant-based milks last a lot longer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I actually do just drink soy milk. So. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. it's disgusting. <laughs> There's um, so many plant-based milks these days. Yeah. It's really something that you just have to check which one you like the most. None. Uh, <laughs> we can maybe give you a blind test, taste test next time. Tell you. Yeah, that's actually, like. yeah, not a bad idea. Yeah. We should have brought uh-huh. rice milk, almond milk, I, I'll know soy milk. milk. You've had all of these? Uh, enough of them. Uh, Enough of them. We'll give they it a shot next time. They also spoil quick, quicker. I think. Dog milk. Have you had dog milk? Mm. No, no, that I didn't have. Well, no. I haven't yet either. But uh, at least it's not mom's milk or someone's mom's milk. Some cow. No, that's sustainable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if it's your own mom, it's sustainable. But if it's some calf's mom, I mean, it's not sustainable. Not. It's like past a year. It's not su- like pasteurized. If you're, if you're 15. <laughs> and drinking your mom's milk it's not you may not have an okay. issue you yeah. need to go see counseling not, not okay and um, it, so basically <laughs> yeah um but all of these kinds of things uh, you know you have your vegetable drawers which yeah. again could become a kind of a slow graveyard if you're not aware of them if they're out of sight out of mind one of yeah. my biggest problems here's my piece of advice mm-hmm. uh, which i don't like abide by at all take your vegetables out of the bag Definitely. I mean, they're they're on the short term. They're okay for keeping them fresh, but in the long term, it's just you know suffocating them and making them rot quicker. But also, my vegetable drawer is just a bag. It's just a drawer of plastic bags. Oh no! And then you don't see what see you have. It. I don't see anything. Right, right. I have no idea what's in there. Something that's kind of a uh, 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 help, not helping the visibility aspect, but does help the freshness is wrapping them in either a paper towel or, more sustainably, just a towel, towel or cloth, mm-hmm. and then the moisture level is balanced much better. It's not too wet and not too dry. The whole concept of the drawer is faulty. The fact that it's down there. The fact that it is a drawer, perhaps. Yes, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dan Ariely talks about it, I think. Definitely, it's, yeah. Um, that, you know, it listening. should have been accessible the first thing that you see. Mm. Yes. In order to keep a healthier lifestyle. In the yet, States, they don't even know what it's for. Like, <laughs> they put their beer cans in it or something. <laughs> yeah. What are no. vegetables? Yeah. It's the things exactly. you put on the pizza. <laughs> pizza is a vegetable, you know, yeah. by U.S. cafeteria standards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. And so, Amazing. Um, so <laughs> storing. Oh, yeah, very, very useful if you want to grow up and, uh, you know, retain yeah. brain cells and stuff. Have diabetes. Yeah, all that. Uh, Great. High statistics are wonderful. wonderful. <laughs> yeah. It's about one in three, I believe, in the United States have uh, diabetes, and in minorities, about two. But in now three? with COVID, it's going to be even less. Oh, yeah, because they'll be less alive. <laughs> yeah. Less of those people alive, unfortunately. It's Darwinism at its finest. If you are dead, you are 100% likely to not have diabetes. <laughs> Not anymore, at least, yes. Yeah. yeah. It's no longer a condition. That got morbid. So anyway, <laughs> um, okay, we, we are close to wrapping things up. Anything we missed? Oh, yeah, definitely. First of all, just on, if we're talking about fridges and stuff, the freezer can be wonderful for preventing food waste, whether it be cooked food or soft uh, fruit, like we said, for making shakes. Uh, you can definitely uh, be creative with whatever you have. And of course, let's say you still have this surplus for whatever reason, you can share it. And... We are trying to now create that platform. This is a call to anybody who's listening. We are now in the stage that we have kind of received from the Technion this product, which is unpolished, unfinished, and we want to bring it out into the world. So now we're fixing up whatever we can, uh, trying to do it in the most professional way we can. And it's kind of crazy. I'm used to, you know, coordinating volunteers who are helping with rescues and kitchen and serving and explanation and events. But now, like in the high-tech sector, I'm not a high-tech guy. So I'm kind of uh, doing this thing blind and using the wisdom of the people who are joining so first of all welcome to join the tech team uh 
and take this to the next level, whether it be What do you need, designers, web. QA? The first thing I need is Android developers. That okay. is the number one priority. But uh, Front end or back end? Actually, look full, at me. full stack. Oh, okay. Ooh, look at that. I'm learning <laughs> text slang. Yes. Uh, I'm, uh, and whoever comes will find a way to uh, find their, their way to help. For example, we don't have a web-based app, but people who are interested enough, maybe they can start by making it and mm -hmm. making that more accessible to people in that way. Perhaps for elderly people, it'll be more useful, things like that. Uh, designing and all that. But also there's the next stage, which anyone can take part of, and that's the... Uh, implementation assimilation stage you know we have communities all over the country which could and perhaps all over the world by the way which would be interested in making this thing happen and being ambassadors to it whether it be approaching your neighbors in the building and getting them uh, to sign up and take part and having a nice way to communicate with them through that as well um, but also whether it be uh, youth movements or uh, um, what nothing how do you say in English community, community centers. Centers, centers yeah simple as uh, whoever wants, and NGOs in general, whoever wants to support this, whether it be by facilitating it, whether it be by funding it in your city. Um, English version? As well. Yes, it'll be in English and Hebrew. Okay. Uh, already is in English, actually. That's the first one. Uh, and anybody who wants to support this will probably be opening a Patreon very soon as well to be able, able to propagate this so it can get to that next level. So the first thing I would like to ask people to do, of course, if you want to take part, feel welcome. But if not, is generally follow us. On Facebook, Robin Food, you'll see it in English and Hebrew there with a nice hat icon. And there's so many ways to take part in Robin Food. We've really had people from all walks of life doing this and at this app stage as well. And the beautiful thing about the assimilation stage is that it'll be, again, uh, you know, health-wise uh, permitting with giant Robin Food-style parties with uh, food and drink and... Uh, different organizations taking part and celebrities and you name it and to show the world this thing is here enjoy it that's what robin food is all about we're not telling people off we're not putting people down we're saying this is how things could be different let's enjoy rather than waste and change the world definitely we're running out of time so we might as well create this platform to scale that change amazing really, really amazing incredible. Thank you so much for, for coming all the way from Haifa. From the far away Haifa, you know. Yeah. Yeah. As an American, you've probably noticed that we Israelis treat distances so differently. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's an hour on train, guys. Come on. It's the Corona train, though. The Corona train. It was my first time on the Corona train. Since it's this empty, thing happened. right? They're pretty it's empty. It's quite quiet, which is great. If you're yeah. looking for a nice place to, you know, focus and put on headphones and, you know, instead yeah. of a cafe, get on the train. Yeah, you can go to Naharia and then down to wherever, Pilsheva. Yeah, just tour. I mean, it's the same cost. If you end up, if you, <laughs> you could get it the cheapest ticket you want and just go on the train all day. And yeah. Why not? You got air conditioning. You got crappy Wi-Fi. Not I'm bad. down. I'm yeah, down. No. Yeah. To me, going to Haifa is like the modern day version of the Oregon Trail. It's just, I might get dysentery. Well, so I wow. don't <laughs> well, you might get something in these <laughs> Corona times, but I'll tell you one thing. Uh, we'll get you some vegetables if you come okay. there. Okay. All right. Save Deal. You from starvation for a at tomato. least. Stale. For a tomato. I'll go. It's close to the train station, the wholesale market. We'll take you there. Nice. Very most welcome. Amazing. Well, at the Robin Food, something I didn't say. Wow, what a shame. If you want a footnote, yeah. every Thursday night, we would have a musical night. It would be either open mic night once every two weeks, or in the weeks in between, it would be Ofat Kova, a hat concert. And local artists from all over Israel would come and, you know, uh, support the project that way. And we would support them with a hat. So that was awesome. With a buffet as well, obviously. 
And uh, when we needed some filler, I would go up on the mic as well. And I do uh, some beatbox and rapping, but also I combine it with some other thing called throat singing. Do you know what that is? No idea. We're going to find out. Uh, it's some, in the area of uh, Mongolia. Well, it's not actually part of Mongolia now. It's called Tuva, and it's actually in Russia. They have something called Tuvan throat singing, which uh, there's several versions of. There's a clean, there's a dirty, or uh, they don't call it that. They call it like Sigit and Kirgara and whatever. And so the, you may have familiar with the dirtier version, which is like... <laughs> with the beer, it's a little weird, but... <laughs> no, it sounds good. And you have an overtone, which is like... Yeah. And here there's like two tones there. And you can even do stuff with it. So you can combine like beatbox and uh, throat singing. Wow. wow. <laughs> that is incredible. I heard you do a little bit before the show. I didn't know. Yeah, we're you... testing the mic. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, it's a good so, mic. How did you learn this? In high school. Uh, ah, yeah. A friend came up to me and said, hey, can you do this? Uh, and I'm like, what? Like this? Uh, and, <laughs> and it stuck. And uh, actually, a few years ago, one of the greatest uh, known throat singing bands from Tuva came to Israel and performed. They're called Hunhurtu. You should check them out. They're wonderful. <laughs> I don't even know how to spell that. H-U-U-N space H-U-U-R space T-U. Hunhurtu. Hunhurtu. Okay, wow. And I asked one of the guys after the show, like, do you know somebody who does like throat singing beatbox? And he was like, yes, but just for fun. <laughs> and I was like, okay, maybe there's like a niche that I could get into there. So uh, I've abandoned the artistic side of my, I'm also a graphic designer. All this kind of stuff is, is great and fun and, and meaningful perhaps. But uh, I feel like my life would be wasted if I don't spend it mostly focusing on uh, saving the planet and humanity and civilization. You're an entrepreneur at heart. I suppose so. Yeah, it's, it's something inside that drives you wanting to create something that wasn't there. There's enough artists. There's enough musicians. There's enough designers. Maybe I could add something to there, but damn, we, we got to work fast on other things. Nice. Cool. Thank you so much, Shai. My pleasure. Before we go, we are collaborating with IsraelNationalNews.com. It's Arutz Sheva. They have great articles about everything that's going on in Israel. They have a Facebook page, Arutz Sheva. So check them out at IsraelNationalNews.com. Also, and Down Under, which you, Down Under. you lived in New Zealand, you New said? New Zealand, I was a bit of a Kiwi for a while. Nice. So uh, we have a collaboration with uh, J... AJN. AJN, I know. <laughs> AJN, Australian Jewish News. AJN.timesofisrael.com. Check them out. Great content about the Jewish community in Australia yep. and just generally a news source. AJN.timesofisrael.com. And we accept donations. So please help us out. Go to twingb.com slash donate. And Lobbying Food also accepts donations, I guess. Yes, right? indeed. Yes, yeah. indeed. We're we'll an NGO. But releasing a platform for that real soon. Okay. Patreon style. So we'll put a link. Thank you so much. Thank you. Good luck. Good luck to all of us. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye-bye.